You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state. Just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols, and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio, begins right now. Look at these two handsome devils in front of me. I've got Corey to my left, Ira to my right, on a computer screen. And this hour is brought to you, of course, by our friends at uh, Registrar's Sausage. Yay, sausage! Have you had any? Oh, you don't eat sausage, do you? I don't. But, but your kids have eaten it. My kids and my wife. My wife loves sausage, Corey. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I I'll tell you this. We, we get after it at the Cameron household, uh, it, it, all except me. All except right. me. But here's what, here's what I know. Two dear friends like yourself, countless Droves, thousands of headlining headliner fans, Jeff Cameron Show fans, my own kids, my own wife have all said to me, Jeff, you're really missing out on the sausage. Yeah. They're not lying, man. Yeah. They're not lying. So, so I know it's good, and that's all I need to know. And my you, friends and loved ones love it. The and we, I had the and we, yeah, it is kids talk to them like that. You know that, Ira. You've, you've yeah. seen them in person. It's like that scene at, uh, Ricky Bobby, that right. movie, the yeah, Ricky right. Bobby, the dining room table. Um, I had some andouille yesterday. Just crushed it. It's as good as you remember, Ira. I don't know the last time you had andouille. I hadn't had it in a while, but Stephanie cooked some up uh, yesterday, and it was just incredible. Again. We just, uh, we I told you, man, we took advantage of the last promo code, my birthday promo code, which and got awesome. 15 pounds. But the new promo code, which we announced last week and is still kicking, is uh, which is a elite headliner. If you go mm-hmm. on to reg- registermeets.com, use the promo code elite he- or elite headliner, put it in all caps, even though it's not required, and uh, you get thirty percent off. Ben, the sausage guy, texted me over the weekend, and he like screenshotted some of the orders, 
and uh, we're killing it. We're killing. We're we're slinging some sausage, boys. Yeah, that's, so keep well, it up, people. We, I've been doing that my whole life. I was gonna say me too, but uh, you know what? Ben said that he was going to use a uh, a promo code next time. For Suck it, Clemson, and I really think that would be a huge uh, promo code as yeah, well. Yeah, that's that's so good time. Yeah, yeah. He, he should wait until they beat him in football again. Well, that may be but, a year from now, Corey. Let's, let's not. Let's not. <laughs> Let's not set the bar too. This is okay. like you with the hour number two. You always set the bar too high. Yeah, yeah, you're like, right. It's got. I gotta about, lower it. How about like within three scores at halftime? No, no, I'm not. I'm not no. doing that. We don't well, no, no. But then we get the suck at Clemson promo oh, code. Yeah. Promo. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I yeah. You it, just randomly do that anytime you want, especially after that non-competitive basketball game. That was silly. Uh, I was in attendance and I was bored within seven minutes. Uh, that's what Florida State does to people now. Where'd you sit? In my beautiful box where I like to sit. Corey. Oh, okay, sit nice. There in nice. one of the suites uh, most of the time. Um, Was that your first I, game of the year? No, my second time I've been in the suite. Okay. Um, but uh, we enjoyed it. I had a good time. I sometimes come to the games. I try to keep it low-key. I don't want the attention to be about me, Corey. Yeah, it's about so the players. I just lay back in the cut and have a beer and enjoy from on high. Um, but Do you – do you mostly like when you're in the box in the suite? Yeah. Are you looking down at the commenters, like ridiculing them verbally, or just in your mind? Like, I don't think about them, Ira. Okay, uh, they never come into my mind at all. I don't think about them. You have um, to think about someone to ridicule them. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, think about fair them. point. I don't, I don't. I don't notice them. But but the thing about it is, I, I notice when they're coming in to give me my food and my beer. I think about right. that guy, but I don't think about the people. Um, now, what I really love is uh, is watching what what has become uh, of the ACC, where Florida State, maybe Virginia, that's about it. The rest of these teams have no chance to compete with those two schools. Uh, it is fun to see the consistency with which Florida State beats people down, uh, and I I. <laughs> I'm at a place now where I really do think it's uh, very much a go for Florida State to repeat as regular season champions here. Uh, I've watched Virginia two or three times. They're playing a lot better now than they were earlier this year when Gonzaga dropped 98 on them. But but listen, I don't think Florida State's God's gift to basketball. I do think they're the best team in the ACC. I think what – I mean, look, I, I don't even know what it mean. I mean, I guess it'd be cool. I don't know if you'd even call yourself a regular season ACC champ if, like, all the games are distorted and not everybody played the same number of games and you had games canceled. To me, that doesn't matter as much nearly is that we've now seen again what this ceiling is with this team, right? Like in December, I thought the ceiling was straight up. Hey, just try to get to the tournament. Like they looked, they did not look good against Clemson. They did not look good against uh, UCF at all. And even that game in between that they won. And I can't, maybe it was Gardner Webb. I can't remember yes, who it was. was. They didn't play well. They, 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 they struggled in that one. You're like, okay, Malik Osborne isn't the same guy. Raquan Evans isn't playing well. Uh, just try to get to the tournament and just have fun with this season. And now you've seen this ceiling, and you're like, okay, I'm not. They're not going to play like this the whole year. There will be dips. It's basketball. But now you know they can get into March, and if they peak, if they play like this, they're a Final Four team. They're a Final Four caliber team. They can get there. I didn't think that was even a possibility a month ago. The way they've looked these last four games, the last two in particular. Um, because of what they've done on defense, you're like, oh boy, they 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 have a chance, man. They think about it. They won that game. They were up by 38 points against Clemson. MJ Walker left and played 17 minutes. 
Uh, Raekwon Gray barely played in the first half. Anthony Polite didn't play at all. Those are probably three of your four most valuable players, other than Scotty Barnes. And they were up by 38 on that team. With those two, with those three guys playing a combined like 28 minutes. It's just remarkable. Yeah, I really, I really think the defense is the biggest, the biggest thing, you know, especially since you talked about in December, because the whole thing is like, as you, as you said earlier, you're going to have dips during a season, but usually those come on the offensive end. And that's kind of the mentality of the why Leonard Hamilton always built his teams on defense um, because you, and you didn't have to worry about if you didn't have a good offensive night, you're still in the game because you defended so well. Well, earlier this year, you didn't know if the defense was going to ever, we didn't know what the defense was going to be. So if you have an off night shooting like they did against Clemson or, or UCF, then you're re- in real danger of losing the way they're, the way they're beating teams right now is impressive because they're shooting well and they're defending. But what gives you, I think, encouragement about making a run later is the shooting's not always going to be there, but that defense can always be there. And the way they're defending these last couple of games, these last few games, that to me is, is the most important thing because, you know, in, in a night when they shoot well, they can blow you out. But if they don't shoot well, they still can beat you because, they've, because they're so deep, they've got so many options, and because they're defending. One of the things that I get most excited about when I when I really look at the big picture of where the programs come from and where it's arrived at is that this team reminds me of the teams I hated that played elsewhere in the conference. Like when I would watch Duke and I would watch North Carolina back when rolling out there, Roy cared when I would watch. Hey, by the way, they, they won five out of six. I just mm-hmm. want to put that out there. Their one loss was to who you think is the best team in the conference. I feel like he's turned that team around. And they're 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 going to be a team we can all cheer for in March. We'll <laughs> we can all cheer. <laughs> well, we'll all embrace the underdog. Yeah, that's usually yeah, that's what that's usually what happens. But what I'll tell you is that I hated those teams. I hated the depth of talent those teams had, and I admired the intensity with which they played. And I knew that on our best night, we would need so many things to go wrong for those teams to lose to Florida State. And I just thought, man, we'll never get there because we're never going to be able to recruit enough talent to where our star can have an off night and there are two or three other guys that can pick him up. That's the way Duke always was, right? You know, somebody could have an off night for them and you turn around and look at the other All-American, the other blue chip, the other McDonald's, you know, All-American, and you'd be like, well, damn, man. I mean, if three players have a terrible night against Florida State, these other six guys are going to make enough plays and we're going to lose. The rest of the conference right now has to feel like that. If you watched, if you were just a, a fan of the conference and say you rooted for, I don't know, Georgia Tech, and you're looking for hope, and you're watching that game, you're like, who the hell is this Calhoun kid? What is yeah. going on with this team where every time I look up, there's another son of a bitch that can shoot it pure and his athletic is all hell. Why is it that this guy can suck tonight, this guy can suck tonight, and this guy can suck tonight, but these other five guys, two of which I've never heard of in my life, can come in here and dominate? That's what Florida State has now? That's the way they have to be thinking. Like They have to be thinking about us the way I thought as a student here uh, about the other teams in the conference that I thought we could never catch. We're now that. What's cool is that, you know, and you hear so many coaches talk about what they've done in terms of that building that depth and keeping those seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh guys engaged. And now that's how you, you you can count on them when you need them. You're not just throwing a guy out there and hoping they've been developed for this moment. But 
in sports, everything's a copycat. Every league is a copycat league. People will say, oh, the NFL is a copycat. They're all copycat leagues. If something works, people will try to uh, emulate it. But this is one where it's really difficult to do because it's a long play. Like you can't, uh, it's it's hard to just say, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm just I mean, gonna go get depth. Good luck yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> and and keep those guys invested and keep those guys healthy. Uh, I mean, keep those guys developing. Uh, I mean, it's just it's it's hard to do. And uh, you know, I also think it speaks to, um, you know, it speaks to the coaches, but also speaks to the players. I think you know, watching, listening to Raekwon Gray talk the other day, he sounds like a thirty-year-old. I mean, he sounds like an NBA vet now. I mean, just the way he was talking about, you know, his quote about. We believe that we're the best team in the country. It reads like a you know brag you know bragging kind of quote. No, but to but hear it, it didn't sound like that at all. No, he was very. I mean, just very matter of fact and very mature. But really, think of how many guys they have on that that are like that on that team. That I think is a big difference. It's not just about athletic ability. And how just crazy is it that you know we'll, we'll throw Wyatt Wilkes into this. He's he's one of the top nine players on this team. Probably he started. You have three guys that redshirted with him, Polite, and Raekwon Gray. That doesn't happen in big-time college basketball programs, but it happened here. They were all watching Jonathan Isaac. They sat there and watched that kid for a year. Um, and it's just like that just doesn't happen. And, Ray, you know, I know there are people listening to this show that d- – not despise, that's way too strong a word – but held their breath every time Raekwon Gray did something. And thought, why he is a turnover machine? Why is he out there? And this was back even last year, but especially two years ago. Now he's one of the more vital person players in the ACC, and he's still got a year left. Like that kind of Anthony Polite, I'm telling you, I watched that dude for two years and didn't think he belonged on campus. Same with Wyatt Wilkes. I'm like, what are these guys here for? And now they're like significant players on one of the better teams in the country. That's that just, again speaks to their their development. Number one, they had to work at it but also the coach's vision and belief in what they could become. Because I would have, man, after the first year with Polite and Wilkes, I'd have been like, guys, you know, North Florida's got some openings. If you guys want to if you guys want to get some more playing time, I don't think you can play here. I don't think we have minutes for you. Same with Jack, actually. And now they've all made contributions. Um, it's, it's, the long, it's the long game, like you said, Ira. I'm, I'm so short-sighted, I'd be like, guys, we, we got to use these scholarship spots on someone else. But they played for this moment. They played for this year. They thought about this year. And now Raekwon Gray, Polite, and Wilkes are all big-time players for this program. All three of us have been in the presence of Leonard Hamilton before, where in the back of our mind, we thought a guy couldn't play. And we were wondering how we would ask the question without offending him, because Leonard does a really good job of sticking up for his guys, whether it's in public or otherwise. Like Chris Mack. (laughs) (laughs) The way he sticks up for his players every time they lose to Florida State. But one of the things that I admire about Leonard Hamilton and his staff and their ability to kind of project what a player will be is to stick by him in these moments where they don't look like they can play even a little bit, right? You know, they have a vision for what those guys will be. And I I won't single out a player, but I remember asking a question, and I think what was inferred in the question was picked up on by Leonard uh, that I thought this guy couldn't play. And in essence, Leonard kind of looked at me and goes, oh, no, 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 he'll be fine. He, it's going way too fast for him right now, but he's a player. He's really good. In fact, he's going to be one of our best players. And in my head, I'm like, was that Jonathan Isaac? <laughs> no, I didn't say Did that. You, oh, you didn't think he, you thought I, he could play right away? I thought he could play a little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. But, uh, but no, so I remember kind of walking away from that conversation thinking, all right, well, I mean, look, I, I, I'm going to defer to Leonard Hamilton, but in, the, in my head, I'm thinking, boy, 
That's a lot of trust in a kid who doesn't look like he can play even a little bit. And that kid, two years later, went on to become a really good player. And it's pretty consistent with him. Like, when guys look overwhelmed, he doesn't – Hamilton doesn't get shook. You know, he's and, like, no, he'll be okay. It'll be all right. And that player was Patrick Williams. Was it? Yeah, who was it? Dwayne Bacon? Who was it? X? I don't, I don't know what you see here, Coach. What is this? This guy? Um, no, uh, you know, the, in the, you know, we've been covering now Coach Hamilton now for, I mean, going on 20 years. Mm-hmm. And we've seen practices. We've seen scrimmages. But he said something the other day that I really, I'm sure I had noticed before, but didn't really, like, clue into. But when they were asking him about, uh, you know, starting jobs and all that kind of stuff, and the way he explained it was was pretty interesting. And I think it's unique. I mean, he said part of the reason, like, we don't get, too worked up about who's starting and who's not is because like in practice, it's not like they go like garnet against gold. It's not like these five play together all the time or these six or seven play together all the time. And they're going up against like a scout team of the guys, guys on the bench. He's like, literally any five could be together at any five at any time. And I think you see that play out in games where you have these situations where you've got Raekwon gray running the point or you've got, Malik Osborne switching positions or, you know, they, they're so uh, versatile because they don't play. Um, hey, you're our starting point guard and you're our second point guard. You're our starting, you know, so we're, we're, you only back up that guy. They, they can play together in so many different rotations. And there have been times where we've looked out there and gone, man, how do you end up with this five? Because they don't really look at it that way. And I think you're seeing it pay off. That said, guys, I do think the Vipers need more time together. <laughs> yeah, they've struggled. They, they struggled mightily. It was a sorry ass showing. They don't look like they've ever played together. They before. were they were like minus ten in three minutes. <laughs> they, they, we, they went on an eleven zero run to lose <laughs> at the end of the game. That's what we should have done. Instead of writing anything about the the first thirty five minutes that of the game, just, just write just, about how bad they struggled. <laughs> and then a turnover, got, and then he threw like what looked like a baseball pass up at the rim to give them a breakaway. Yeah, that's what we should have done. Yeah, that's good. That's that's how. That's a good way to belittle Clemson right there. Just how it was the walk-ons really struggled in that game. Hey, I got something I want to bring up to you guys after the break. This is a tease. And then also I want to tie it into football too. I like that about you, Corey. Way to to take over and tease when you're feeling it. Mm -hmm. 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, Corey, you have the stage since you uh, teased us before the break there with a question. What is that question? It wasn't a question. It was more of just an observation that I just thought about in the last segment about how far this program has come in about mm-hmm. half a decade. And I think you could sum it up in like two images. Do you guys remember when Montrez Harold dunked on Robbie Berwick? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That that, was- number one, they lost, Florida State could have lost that game by 40 points. I don't remember, but it was a complete and utter. Uh, they, they didn't belong on the same floor with that team. But Montrez Harrell just ended his life. <laughs> and Robbie Berwick, for some reason, thought he could try to I leap don't know. That's the part I was thinking about. Like, Robbie, no! Like, he tried to leap up and just, and, you know, Robbie's like 6'5", and just got hammered on at home. And then juxtapose that with the last two times they played Louisville and what they've done to Louisville. They've had soul crushing dunks and blowout wins over them too. And it's like, man, that was just five years ago that guys like Robbie Berwick were trying to block Montrez Harrell. And now look where this Florida State program is. And I think you can, if you can sum up the difference, it's showing Robbie Berwick on his back with Montrez Harrell's, just Montrez Harrell standing over him. 
and then uh, Trent Forrest and Malik Osborne, what they've done to Louisville the last two times they've played. Just that, that sums it up, man. That sums it up. Those two images sum up how far Florida State has come. Did because anybody, Louisville's still good, but did, Florida State is taking a huge leap. Did anybody check on that Tyson kid for Clemson? I don't know that he's going to be okay. I, like, they kind of ended his basketball playing days on Saturday. Like, I don't. if you're that kid, do not go out and show your face in public anytime soon. You looked like a clown for most of that game, but in particular, like a three-minute sequence where I thought, "Jesus, sir, this is not, this is not for they you." They all have bad games. I, they all have I, it's not for you. Yeah, but when when Malik stole his soul with that with that block, I I actually watched him because right after that he came out of the game. Yes, and I watched him. I wanted to see like what the reactions from his teammates were as he came to the bench, and it was a lot of uh, you know, it's like. Uh, it's like when you see your buddy get shot down at a bar. Oh yeah. Just kind of just act like you didn't even see him trying to make the move. Yeah. Like they just yeah. they all just yeah, kind of looked. I didn't down. see that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of looked off at the lights like as he was coming off the floor. They didn't like nobody acknowledged that he was just humiliated in a way that I really don't think you can come back from. And he had other moments in the game where he looked like an ass as well. Just not a very athletic kid. Um, I think we're gonna have to if you're Clemson. This was much more of a representation of the two teams as opposed to that first matchup, and I think it became abundantly clear pretty early on. Uh, I have to admit, those players who won this game the first time around must have thought, well, what the hell has happened to this team? Yeah. I mean, good God, man. I mean, we they don't – these are different human beings we're playing here today. Well, that – Yeah, they, what, Clemson scored 48 on them in the second half of that first game. They, they put up almost 50 points in the second half against Florida State the first time they played. Yeah, and I didn't see it before the game. Um, obviously, we're so far up now in the media. But um, Adrian Crawford, our friend Adrian, uh, tweeted that uh, apparently the Clemson players were doing a little chirping before the <laughs> game as well. So that that didn't work out real well. Guys, you got to leave that alone. Florida tried that earlier in the year and then had a bunch of guys get dunked on. Uh, yeah, that's not stepped first, over. Yeah, that's the first. That's not the first time a team has tried to talk. You can only fake that bravado unless you have, you know, so you can only go so far. You got to have some game. Um, yeah, they challenge everything. Uh, it becomes infectious and now they're shooting the lights out. I mean, they're, you know, in ACC play, they're the number one, three point shooting team in the conference. It's just dumb. It's, it's fun to watch too, because guys rise up like they're pretty sure they're going to make it. You can see it in body yeah. type. It's insane. The, I, the dip uh, oh, go ahead. Ira. No, I'm just going to say what, a, and I think we talked about it a little bit yesterday on your show, Jeff, uh, three to six Monday to Friday, Corey. Still going, you know? Corey. Still going. But I only listen from four to four fifteen on Monday. As most people, as most people yeah. do. Um, big big spike we see in the yeah. radio. But like you, when when Malik and um, Sadar, what when they're contributing the way they are these last few games, I mean now, you're not just getting beat by a team that can shoot and that can that plays well as a team and is plays smart and is veterans, but now you kind of add in that some that energy and Sadar. Like Malik's definitely the guy. He's going to yell. He's going to scream. He's the energy guy and all that. Sadar's got some of that in him too. I mean, he, uh, man, when he hit the three and got fouled, he was uh, he. Scotty Barnes is the same way too. I mean that that's what's a little bit different about this team. They're chippy. Yeah. Yeah. This you know that I don't know that you weren't going to get a lot of that from Devin or Trent. I mean Trent did what he dunked on the kid last year, but that wasn't really his thing. You've got some guys on this team who who seem to enjoy that part of it. And Patrick uh, Williams, I don't know, ever has ever said a word on a basketball court in his life. Like, I watch him with the Bulls, and it's the same way. 
whether he hits one over LeBron or LeBron hits one on him, he just tucks his head and runs back down court and is a freak athlete on the other end too. But yeah, this this the the energy of this team is a little bit different. The attitude of it, uh, you know, Barnes doing his dance after the dunk against Florida, just just stuff you're not used to seeing on a Leonard team. Um, he they, did. Uh, did you by see the way, it's this weekend, you, guys? Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you got. I don't know if you guys. Well, Jeff, you were there. But I don't know if you could see it on TV, Corey. But after um, there was a play where Scotty, oh, I forgot exactly what happened, but I think it was like a foul call, and he went over to the referee. And he was like pleading with him, but he was doing this like theatrical. It was just really funny. Like his personality is, it's just different. I mean, for, yeah. especially for a freshman. Um, and I think those kinds of things, I kind of, I think they take them to a little bit different level. You know what you're allowed to say that I didn't, uh, I, I guess they say it all the time. I know it's a basketball thing to say, but uh, when you block somebody's shot, what do they all say now? They say, give me that Every time they block a shot, like Malik Balsa, I hear it all the time because you can hear now. Uh, you just like they say, everybody yells "and one" anytime somebody breathes on them. Yeah. Uh, which I guess in a COVID world, it should be a foul if you're breathing on someone. But you, they, and I, it's weird that the refs won't call him for that. Like it's no. just, it's an accepted part. But they'll call him for other stuff. They'll call a T for taunting, other situations, but they never call a T on, and it, it's all over the country. Kids are doing that. Well, they ought not call it. We're grown ass men out here. We used to say that in high school. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah we you, used to say drawers. Oh, I said drawers every time I rose up, baby. Yeah. That was, right. I, don't let me catch the ball in transition, Corey. I say drawers before I even get square. You say drawers before you even got in the pass. That's true. I'm, I'm running down the side. I'm, I'm on the right <laughs> elbow. Drawers. Drawers. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Hey, but what I was going to say, uh, and I don't know, I'm sure we've talked about this some, but is there anything in the way the Florida State basketball team plays so selflessly in their energy and their in everything about them? Can a 15, can that on a 15 team, a 15 person team, can that be translated to football? And I bring that up because we talked about, we talked to Brandon Moore um, and the other, uh, is it McClellan? I don't know how to pronounce his last name, the kid from Arkansas. Yeah. Um, the the two defensive back transfers that are in school right now at Florida State. And, um, you know, Brandon Moore was really good talking about, um, you know, when he was at UCF, they had guys like Shaquille Griffin who told guys, like, look, if you're not willing to put in the work, leave. We don't want you here. And I just wonder if that kind of – if if something like that, the, the attitude and the mindset of a 16-person basketball team, can that translate to an 85-person football team? Oh, for sure. If you think so? Players in certain positions, like quarterback, uh, are doing that. Yes, I think so. Absolutely. Did you? Um, just so you many started. people. Well, and uh, you know, I'm sure this is going to be tough to get Jeff to talk about the Bucks. But didn't Bruce Arians say that like everything changed when Tom Brady got there? Yeah. Like the the mentality yeah. of the team changed. Not to uh, not to that's not to disparage Jameis, but just Tom Brady is all time, all time, all time, all time leader in any sport. Yeah, he is, and it's uh, and we all roll our eyes about it because we've heard about it, we've read about it, we've listened to people pontificate about it for uh, 20 years now. So it gets old, but it, there is something to it without question. And I will say that I know a couple people in the Bucks organization, and they all talked about it and the way that practices went. You know, Brady, the way Brady practices, it's infectious because again, when your best player is your greatest leader and hardest worker. You know, what is anybody else going to do? You've got to bring your game up to that level. I mean, 
if Tom Brady's working harder than you and he has accomplished what he has, you got a problem, man. You got, you got to get in there and you got to meet that level of intensity and focus and, and attention to detail. Do you think so, McKenzie Milton, although he's clearly not Tom Brady, he right. could be considered, I mean, he's the veteran of college football and he's won more games than any other incoming or any college quarterback. And it's almost like a free agent situation. Could that, hey, could you think he could have a similar impact to a yes. Florida State team? Yes. And I think if you're a veteran player with 20 to 30 games under your belt in the SEC on a team that was even decent, if you come out and you raise your level and you practice it at, at a high level of intensity and focus and attention to details, a lot of the guys that, that well, I, I would say the, uh, the few guys that remain behind that started on last year's team, um, yeah, I think they could be influenced by that as well. Um, I, I think that we all would say that the transfers that are coming in here are guys that, yes, raise the raise the floor, as we've said a lot, but I also think they can kind of show the way, at least in terms of how you prepare and and, and how you work together and how you focus and how you go about the process. Because, you know, they, they're having to change not just the talent level, but obviously the mentality and the way that they play and the way that they practice. You know, it's funny when you, you brought that up, Corey, because I actually, when Brandon Moore was talking, I was thinking the same exact thing, not just about Mackenzie Milton, the impact he can bring, but just listen to Brandon Moore talk. I mean, because the way he answered those questions about, you know, trying to, you know, be a leader and try to bring some of the things that, you know, the wisdom that they learned. And he talked about the things they learned from the, the leaders when they first got to UCF and they did have a good run there. I mean, that, that, that team for those couple of years was maximized their ability as well as any team in the country. And, and, and when he talked about it, it was almost like he was saying, like, like, how's he talk to these guys? And he said, you know, just, you know, look, just tell them. All we have to do is tell them, look, it's, it's every team in this conference has players. They all are going to, it's, it's going to, it's going to be who works the hardest, who competes the hardest, who's the toughest, who wants it more. And really, in a lot of cases, that's kind of what it comes down to. Do you want to work? Do you want, or do you want to sit around and bitch and moan and be a loser? And I'm not saying that that's prevailing uh, across the program, but that's why bad teams are bad teams because they don't have that mentality. And that's something that it has to start somewhere. And you'd like to think it'll start with these guys. Yeah. And I do think that helps contribute to why teams are bad. I mean, look, there are about four or five games in a given year uh, that right. Florida state right now, where you are going to lose, even if you have the best attitude in the world, like you're not beating Clemson. I don't care how, well, how cohesive you are and how much you believe and work hard right now. We're not requisitely skilled enough, but the other games you're right. Ira. I mean, if you're the one who's willing to outwork and put in the time and care uh, and, and, and work together. Yeah. There's no reason that you don't beat people like Pitt and Louisville and wake and NC state and Virginia and schools like that. Absolutely. So I think you could be right. Seminole headlines. I just ESPN radio continues. In a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. You know, guys, I know next hour is the hour where we get to headliner questions. Now it's multifaceted with Twitter. Ira, I appreciate you sending me the questions uh, neatly summarized uh, via an email. I can print that out. I've done so. I also printed out ahead of time, guys, as proof of it. I want you to see here. Look at this. Questions printed wow, out ahead of time. A lot of them everywhere. And yeah. the, the the very valuable Facebook questions are included in that yeah. printout. Look, look, there it is. Yeah, yeah. There he is. He's showing them. So I've got them all, uh, and I and I did that, and I'm I'm very excited. Um, so 
both sides will be represented here, the Facebook people and the Twitter people. And what lovely people the two sites what, represent. When we uh, when we have our uh, listener appreciation party, when, our, when we ever we have our long-delayed 10th anniversary party. At, Hori- at Horizon. At, at uh, Horizon's uh, Bar and Grill. I'm guessing uh, it's going to well, be... Why, would, why not the Saturday before the Notre Dame game? Yeah, sounds good. But let me I mean, finish my point. Okay, so sorry. the maybe the Twitter people will be outside and the Facebook people will be inside or vice versa. I guess, yeah, but I, I, feel, I feel like, like they, they can intermingle, Ira. I feel like they can, they, you know, it's not the Jets and the Sharks. We can intermingle these there. people. There there, I know there's blood. some bad blood. And what about the IG people once we start Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are they going to be doing? Well, they'll they'll be classy. The Instagram sure. people will be solid. Yeah. I, I think we're always going to be a little on edge when we're hanging out with the Facebook and the Twitter people. But I feel like the Instagram people will be more down to earth, pretty solid. We'll be able to recognize. So I think Instagram people are just about living life. It, yeah. Obviously documenting it with photos every other second. Yeah. But they're about living life. You don't hear about a lot of trolls on Instagram. No. I think the big thing we know about Instagram people, we'll be able to identify them at Horizons Bar and Grill because they'll be taking pictures of their food. <laughs> That's right. So you'll know Or that. maybe their dog, if they brought their dog to the, That's right. the yeah. outside. They'll they have a picture, picture of, of their dog or their cat. Shrimp salad. Yeah. Like, okay. They don't have they don't have time for the drama. They're just presenting an image of their life yeah. that may or may not be accurate. Hey, are you going? Are you going to try to go to the Super Bowl, Jeff? Well, you know, in a normal year, the answer would be a resounding yes, Corey. I'd be on my way to the Super Bowl, but uh, they're not. Right now, 12 days out. <laughs> no, but they're not doing anything for the Super Bowl this year. I mean, the Chiefs don't even show up till the Thursday before the game. Yeah. Uh, there is no radio row. There's no press Mark. access to anything. There's no, you know, I know they gave, and I'm sure you do too. It's brought up about 50 times on the air. I know they gave 7,500 tickets of like the 19,000 that are going to be given out already to uh, frontline workers and, and people that have been vaccinated, which is great. Um, so I, I guess that's a nice way of me telling you, I really don't have a means to get in there. And I know people, Corey. I know yeah, a lot of people, but I don't so think I get in. We're not going to get that cool uh, press day or media day where people no. show up like dressed like Darth Vader and None of that. all no. that crap. No, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see if our lives will be able to carry on without that's that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we're, we're not going to get any of it, um, which is unfortunate. I really feel bad for the city of Tampa this year. Uh, they, they win the Stanley Cup, they get to the World Series, and now they get to the Super Bowl and become the first team in the history of football to play a game in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. And the city has reaped none of the benefits of yeah. all the ass kicking. None. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Think about that. That's terrible. I mean, the windfall of money for Tampa. Think of what they could have done to Dale Mabry. I mean, they could oh, so oh, many Are you kidding things. me? Are you yeah. kidding me? So they it's could. been tough, man. It's been tough. They, the strip club people must be devastated. Uh, can you imagine the money they oh, would have Oh, and Blimp aficionados right. are Without clearly question. devastated what, what didn't happen to Dale Mabry. In particular, the strip where the strip clubs reside, they must, if you're an owner of a strip club right now, you're devastated. Yeah. You, had, you had the Stanley Cup playoffs that you didn't get to engage in. You didn't get to have, you know, and then they win the whole thing. They would have been the home team hosting a seven games. You know what I mean? They didn't yep. get to do that. They didn't, they didn't get to, you know, the whole run with the Rays to the World Series. They didn't get to engage in that. And now this, dude, they've been what making money hand over fist. Yeah. Remember when uh, they've done studies in the past where I think Professor Bond over at FSU has done his marketing studies on what the economic impact is of like an FSU Miami game when they're both nationally ranked. And right. I mean, it was like, Five million dollars in the city of Tallahassee—something ridiculous. Imagine a Super Bowl. 
or, or, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, or world series. The thing about, I remember I, I was living in Baltimore and I got a uh, ride in a car, like a, it was before Uber. It was, I had a, uh, it was actually a job interview in Maryland and they had a car, a car, like a town car picked me up and I was talking to the driver and he said they were sending all of their limos down to, I think the Super Bowl was in Miami that year. Miami might've been Tampa. I can't remember, but they, they were sending like all their limousines from this company in Maryland down to Florida for the Super Bowl because there's such a demand yeah. that like limo companies around the country are sending their limos to those towns and that you don't get any of. And you I feel mean, just, bad for Tampa because it's not like, oh, they'll get it next year. I mean, this is right. their one shot for a while to host a Super Bowl and they're hosting. They're not hosting a Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't feel that bad for Tampa because you have Tom Brady on your team. So, hey, congrats on winning the NFC with the devil. You did it. Yeah. You made a deal with the devil. Come I hope on. Mahomes puts up. By the way, we're going to feel, I'm going to feel towards Pat Mahomes the way I feel towards Tom Brady now. In like six years, when Mahomes has won four Super Bowls, I'm going to be like, I'm tired of this, man. How the I, hell do you not feel that way already? It's ridiculous. I That's just love watching him play. He's, he's, Tom Brady's different, man. Tom Brady's the best to ever do it. But he doesn't, he's not like a, a showman like Patrick Mahomes is. Like, it is enjoyable to watch Patrick Mahomes. I don't know, man. Brady is just like dart, seven-yard dart, eight-yard dart. But, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. But I would disagree because this, I felt that way with the Patriots. But the Bucks, man, they stretch the field. I mean, well, they it, let the league in most passes down yeah. the field, Corey. Uh, I mean, they, it's, they, yeah. It's a little different. I mean, it's it's. I've liked. I've actually liked watching the Bucks play with Brady. No, I'm I mean, saying, but 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 Brady became Brady, the greatest of all time. Not looking like what Patrick Mahomes looks nobody's like. Nobody's ever looked like Patrick. Yeah, Mahomes. that's what I'm saying. He he did a lot of Wes Welker's open, Julian Edelman's open, Welker's open again. That was Brady's whole career. He was awesome at it. But Patrick Mahomes just plays the sport differently. It's an, I've never seen anything like it. But I'm gonna get probably tired of them winning a lot too. Well, I get tired of them because. It's not like I mean, screw Ty Tyreek Hill eternally. He's a terrible human being. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a bummer. I get really annoyed at Kelsey. There's all kinds of reasons they hate Kansas City already. It's a yeah. it's, listen, pal. Come on board. Hey, Let's go. We got you. you. No, I, I, there's no chance I'm rooting for Tom Brady. If he wins it's one, it's great. Tom I'm Brady, not. It's the Tampa Bay Bucks. You're I'm not I'm, it, NFC South, man. You don't have I, a I, single friend who roots for Kansas City legitimately. What are you doing? That's what I'm saying. I'm an NFC South fan. So as long as the the championship stays in the NFC South, I'm happy. Okay, well, I'm then, like an Arkansas well, football don't root fan. For Kansas City, you're good. I'm All not. Right. Yeah, it's hard to root for Tom Brady, but I will be because I want the championship to come back to the NFC South where it belongs. Yeah. You'll well, be sitting sitting around your neighborhood, NFC South. Yeah, I'm going to be chanting that for a day. When we got Brady, I, I remember getting into an argument with Tom. I'm like, look, man, I love Jameis as much as the next guy. We can get Tom Brady. I think you kind of got to do it. It's and, unbelievable. Uh, it's Well, and look, the Bucs were already good. They were already yeah. on the rise. It's just you, you needed a guy to kind of steer the ship. And well, and needed I, a guy that maybe had less than 35 turnovers in a season. Right. That's what right. you were looking for. Yeah, just a little bit fewer. Just a yeah. you know, And you know what's interesting about that, though? Like, he does have, you know, it seems like the Bucks. I don't know, man. I, the I feel like the because I've watched the Bucks more than anybody else the last few years because of Jameis. I, the Bucks have got to lead, like, all NFL teams of all time of having tipped passes become an interception. <laughs> it's con Jameis – constantly would have yeah. interceptions that were not his fault whatsoever. No, they still they still kind of happen, 
but not nearly as much with Brady. Not nearly as much. In fact, prior to that crazy interception game he just had on Sunday in the second half, he had gone however many weeks without throwing a pick. Imagine, but, but imagine being a Green Bay fan, guys. Like you got Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the three best quarterbacks to ever do it. He's incredible. Yeah. And he's gotten, I mean, one Super Bowl is better than none. But how do you not go for it on fourth down is impossible to understand. And how you give up a 40-yard touchdown with one second left in a half. Like, mm -hmm. the, both of those were fireable offenses. And I, I couldn't imagine telling Aaron Rodgers, we're going to kick it here and our defense is going to get you the ball back, and him not being like, what? No, I'm not coming off the field. He should have refused to come. He literally yeah. should have refused to come off the field. Because no. there's been other quarterbacks that have done it. Like, no, we're not doing this. Well, and, and actually, that's a criticism of Aaron Rodgers that I think is a fair one. Why did you come off the field? Right. No. No, bitch. Yeah. I'm not coming off the field. We're not getting the ball back if you kick this field goal. We are not getting the ball back, and you know it. Do you know yeah, who the other guy is? Do you know who the other guy is? Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. You literally have to throw a fit in that situation. You're probably not coming back there anyway. You may not be coming back there anyway. Certainly not if they let this happen. But and game management, what, like what? So so say you go for it and don't get it. You still, your, your defense. Off the middle, right. Your defense still has to get a three and out. Your defense is going to be in the same position whether you go for it and get and don't make it or you kick the field goal. You still, if you believe in your defense to get a three and out when it's 31 to 26, you should believe in your defense enough to get a three and out when it's 31 to 23. And, and they have the ball at their own 10. And you're not going to get you're not going to get down to the eight-yard line again with the bet second best quarterback maybe in the last 20 years, right? Yes. With ball in his hand with a chance to score and go for two. You know, that everything that has to go right if you decide to kick that field goal just for you to get the ball back with, say, a minute and 30 seconds left and no timeouts, still needing a touchdown. It just like, doesn't I, it doesn't it anger you as sport? I don't know that it, this doesn't happen in any other sport, but football coaches are such dumb cowards, latent situations that don't make any sense at all. It just like they 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 work 100 hour weeks. I and don't then they know let the whole season come down to that. Like somebody yeah. Coach, coach, you you kind of have to go for this year. You you're Not gonna kind of have to. You have to, dumb. Right. You have to. It doesn't like make any sense. Yeah, Corey, Corey's made that point a few years ago. I think I might have made it when Jimbo was here. But but yeah, you should almost have a position on your staff that has no other responsibilities. Because I think what happens during the course of a game, everybody's running around doing different yeah, things, worried about this player. This player's hurt. That player's whatever. But just have one person who just pays attention to those situations and, and is like, nope, nope, coach, you can't do that. Hey, coach, it's first down. We're on the eight. I need you to keep this in mind. We need four to get eight here, yeah. okay? Yeah. We're, we're, we're going for this. Under so no circumstances, right. even if it's fourth and 26, he takes no. an 18-yard sack. We are throwing a Hail Mary. We are so, not kicking a field goal. But if you tell somebody, and I'm serious about this, if you tell somebody, coach, we got four to get eight, Eight yards and eight points. We got four to get eight. Call your plays accordingly. They probably don't take three straight shots to the end zone right. if they know they're going yeah. for yards. And nobody, what were they doing? It was crazy. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wrapping up the hour with a quick one, and we'll get to uh, headliner questions here in just a moment. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about all of the ways during the break that Green Bay screwed that up. Uh, I would say, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got to stop 
throwing your coaches under the bus in post-game press conferences, even if you want to do Not it. Not that one. Not, that's the one time. That's the well, one did, time. He did it with Mike McCarthy. He's done it now. This After a while, it becomes you, Aaron. Not I'm this gonna, time, though. He's he Like, it's the cry wolf. He's crying wolf because he's done it so much. But this is one we can all be like, yeah, we get it, man. You're 37 years old. Knows. You're incredible. Say it right there. Say it on the field. When you yeah, walk well, you're right. You're right. and he's bringing the field goal unit out, say no, man. Do you yeah. realize I'm 37 years old? This is it. It is interesting. Like, from you know, I've got a couple of friends who are Packers fans, and like they love Aaron Rodgers, but you know, you just get the feeling that man, he must be tough. I mean, he just be, must be a tough guy to play with and be around. And uh, he strikes you me know, as one of the world's biggest a holes. I mean, which completely. is weird because family, I don't know if y'all watch him on the he he does like a weekly segment on the Pat McAfee show where he sits down with him for like 45 minutes each week. And he's I, really thoughtful and funny and enlightening. Well, questions is intelligence. Yeah, yeah and, he, and he's good with the media. I just think he's one of those people that you probably is a little bit different. Yeah, in different but then his, his family doesn't talk to him. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. a pretty big indicator. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, in Levitard the other day, I heard, I heard him say, and I'm sure other people have mentioned it too, but Tom Brady now has won as many NFC championship games as Aaron Rodgers has. Yeah. And it's like, holy. Yeah, it's geez. crazy. But Aaron uh, Rodgers. And he's been awesome. He's incredible. But it's like, man, I, uh, yeah, it's just always something. Yeah, I, I, it, it makes me smile. I, I, I had plenty of ammunition for my friends who root for New Orleans as well. I'm like, man, Brady's been to as many Super Bowls as Drew Brees. We can just keep going. Yep. So, <laughs> Same as Matt Ryan. In the NFC, I mean. Yeah. As an yeah. NFC, so, where, so where's Jameis next year? Well, I find this to be an actually very interesting question because – it is not going to be a good look if Drew Brees retires and Sean Payton does not sign Jameis Winston. Um, he's had him all year long. He's had him practicing. He's seen him. I That would not be good for Jameis. Now, it may be that, um, that Jameis gets a better offer. Uh, maybe he sees a situation. I will say this. If you're Jameis Winston, if you flip it and look at it from Jameis's camp, I don't know that you want to sign in New Orleans. And the reason I say that is they're in salary cap hell. Even if Drew Brees retires, they're going to be in the neighborhood of $60 million over the cap. Don't we think he's retired? Wasn't he blowing kisses to people when he walked oh, off the field? Well, and, by the but, way, he can't play anymore. He looks terrible. Yeah, he was bad anyway. Yeah. It, yeah, but how many times do guys get a month down the road? Yeah, that's like true. I just thought, yeah, I guess he I hadn't said he, it. I think he's definitely done. But, let's, but listen, let's just say for the sake of discussion, that he retires, that saves them a little bit of cap, but they got $60 million or thereabouts. They are headed for 6-10 and 10 for the next four seasons, which is good. Screw them. But I am curious, like, what if Denver calls you? What if Chicago calls you? What if, And they want you to come in and be their starting quarterback. If you look at the Saints' salary cap situation, they're going to lose a good bit off that team that was really good. So you may be walking into another horrible situation, even though Sean Payton's a great coach. That's tough because they're they're going to have to rebuild. They simply don't have the cap space. Yeah. Um, so he has to look around. But I do think that it would be a bad look for Jameis's camp if Sean Payton didn't offer him yeah. a chance to be because there. Because it's like, man, he worked with him for a year and doesn't think he can be his quarterback. Then that's yeah. not great. I, I would say, man, I think New Orleans, Denver, Indianapolis, all those teams. Are, I mean, Indianapolis ain't, ain't winning anything with Jacoby Brissett. And well, they might not anything with Jameis Winston, but you, you, I, J- Jameis Winston's better than Jacoby Brissett. And they have a good defense. 
listen, I mean, yes, and a good offensive line. Chicago has a good defense. Like yeah. I'd look at Chicago, I'd look at Denver, I'd look at yeah. Indianapolis. There's no doubt. I mean, he he's got a chance to go play somewhere and got to look at the situation. Oh, the Steelers just got what's his name from the from the. Hey, before we get, re- I know this is a uh, what do you call it? It's a potpourri hour. We're doing a lot of different talking about basketball, football, the Packers, the Bucks. Just wanted to give a shout out to Hank Aaron before we're done. Well, I was, uh, I was going to let that next hour go without doing Oh, okay. Atlanta native, obviously. So if somebody born in Atlanta like myself, he is the guy. He's the guy we heard about all growing up. He is. I never got to see him play, unfortunately. My parents were in the stands, got the program from when he hit 715. Were they but really? Just, yeah, yeah. Oh, and they signed awesome. it. They both signed it saying, I was there, John Clark. I was there, Sharon Clark. And my dad always wanted to get Hank Aaron to sign it and said, I was there too. <laughs> but never got never got around to it. Um, but yeah, so they were there. They got the program for it, and just hearing the stories that my dad regaled me with with Hank Aaron. Um, just yeah, it was a real tough loss because he was a gentleman, and there is no better ambassador for my city than Hank Aaron. And it was a that was a real bummer that that we lost him. Yeah, and I yesterday, Corey, spent a lot of time, just so you know, um, you may not care about the Jeff Cameron Show, but you would have cared about this content. I spent a good bit of time in two separate segments on the show documenting not only his uh, his greatness on the diamond, but the uh, the integrity with which he lived his life and the things that he overcame. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you come into baseball in 1954, uh, and you're from Mobile, Alabama. Uh, you've had to overcome an awful lot. Yeah, and he got people brought up a lot about the hate mail when he was. Now he got a bunch of great mail too, but he got a ton of hate mail when he was when he was getting close to Babe Ruth. But that's only part of it, man. Yeah, like you said, he grew up in the he he started playing baseball in the fifties where he'd have to stay in a different hotel. Yeah, or he'd have to. Yeah, I mean it was just ridiculous what what all of them went through. But to have, uh, I don't know, man, to just have the grace that he still had and not be bitter where he definitely should have been bitter, and I'm sure he was bitter, but to not. To just still have the grace and humility that he had. He told uh, was, Joe Pazansky that uh, he was asked, um, did did that ever anger you? That did, did the hate mail that you read, did that ever fuel your fire? Did that ever help you put a chip on your shoulder? He said, no, it just made me sad. It just broke my heart. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the saddest awful. quotes I've ever read. I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's nobody, cool. like, nobody really knew about it at the time. It didn't come out until after he had broken the record, really. None of his teammates knew about it at all, what he was going through. Um, so, yeah, man, that's just uh, – he's the guy, I would say, in Atlanta. Like, sports icon, but just icon in life, right? I mean, um, I yeah, think he's, he's one of the five greatest players in history, too, if we're just going to talk about the prowess on the field, too. So, there you go. He's a wonderful human being, integrity-laden, uh, dignified – uh, and and also one of the four or five greatest players to ever to ever lace them up. Hour number two, forthcoming. We'll get there with your questions next. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next.